Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs, and you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. So that being said, I have Julian back with us from Brooklyn, New York, and today we're going to talk about his company, Brooklyn Best. I'll let Julian take the mic a little bit. Just give him a brief overview again of your story um the quick version so we can get right into your brooklyn best tees and uh let's get started yeah well morning um thanks for having me welcome to brooklyn welcome back and uh yeah the, the quick version is pizza bagels and iced tea that's the trifecta or the hat trick uh we're sitting at the bread quarters right now in the pizzeria next door to the bagel store um, both very heavy things on the gut. So the iced tea is a low sugar iced tea um, with you know your classic Snapple Arizona flavors that I grew up drinking. So from peach teas to lemonades, mangoes, you know, pink lemonade, lemon tea, you know, all the hitters. I love it. So let's talk about like your inspiration, like how, like why go into beverages? Like what's the, like how did you get from, like we're talking to bread products because we call it the bread corner. Why go into the iced teas? Like how did the this come about? Teas, well, basically I have these two shops where I sell drinks. So I was like, let me sell my own drink because I can control the market and the menu and when things are for sale or not available. So Basically, we floated the iced tea between these two businesses at the beginning, and we would just turn off every other drink, and it was the only option. (laughs) (laughs) And so this is, were you selling a lot of iced tea before? Is that why you chose that, or was it an easier product, and you could still stick with sodas and stuff? Uh, we, We definitely had iced tea, but I mean, I wasn't like forcing it upon people, whereas now, like, not anymore. Now we let everything fly, but at the beginning to get it going, we would turn stuff off. I was selling a lot of Natalie's. And the wholesale price was pretty steep. And I was like, why don't we just co-pack this ourselves? We started co-packing it in Park Slope, not too far from here. Uh, small batch orders and just selling between these two shops. And then through my network of colleagues, everyone is in food. They started taking it at their shops. And then we saw some trickle down to the corner stores and the delis and got sales guys and got outside of the city distribution and grew it from there. So, I mean, let's talk about this is a cool concept, mm-hmm. right? Because like you wouldn't normally think of iced tea from Brooklyn as a thing. Like it's typically a Southern thing, but mm-hmm. it, you've put your staple on it, right? And and people are talking about it and now you're growing and you've even grown your own distribution system and company around the tea, right? Where you're also, the tea's becoming a distribution point and now you're able to help other individuals in the same business. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you say that because the peach which is basically the mothership of the company and one of the reasons that I love iced tea came from well I drank peach tea every morning in Brooklyn but my mom was from Georgia so peach was always you know a big thing yeah (laughs) it's one of the best and I see there's a lemonade here so you, you have a lemonade as well and we got a pink lemonade coming very cool for the summer so, I mean, you're thinking about, like, branching this brand out in beverages and, and really getting a staple for yourself here. Yeah, I mean, we're go- we have four SKUs now. We're going up to seven before the summer, and we open, we start Whole Foods on April 1st in a month. Oh, man, congrats. Thank you. So, we um, that's only with these four SKUs, and then we'll, we'll grow into the other ones as long as it does well. They're starting us regionally, um, northeast, and primarily in the city in Brooklyn. 
and then they'll you know they'll watch the data and and grow from there um and we're also with the distribution of state you know you're always there's one product so you're always kind of like dialing that one product in and making it better so we started doing distro upstate a lot and we noticed that where we were selling it was like in these gas stations and this 12 ounce classic can that we come in which is classic coca-cola can didn't exist it's not a thing that's in the coolers everything is bigger 16 yeah. ounce even a coca-cola is, is a classic ball can but 16 ounce yeah so we're like all right we can't be this one little can i mean even just the way um the fridges are designed to hold the cans if you're 12 inch if you're a 12 ounce can you don't even see the can <laughs> so we were like all right if we're if we're gonna sell in gas stations around the country which is a lot the of business goal, yeah. the ultimate goal we need to do the 16 ounce. So right now we're shifting to 16 ounce. We're adding SKUs. We're bringing on Whole Foods. We just brought on a big theater in Brooklyn called King's Theater. And they've been running through a lot. And another hotel called The Wife in Williamsburg. So we've been adding these bigger accounts and just trying to keep up with that, you know, keep up with production, you know. And I think one of the things that uh, we, that's cool what you're talking about is the 20, uh, the 16 ounce can. Um, I agree with you. I mean, we're everyone's getting bigger in the, mm-hmm. that aisle to try to get attention or, or feel value. Value. I want to. I mean, it's also. I believe when Pepsi started first competing with Coke, they actually put their Pepsi in a bigger bottle. That was one of the big things that drew people to Pepsi. They saw it as a value. But I also think that which is the is the driver of sales in most of this country. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so. That one, I'll say that. Number two is convenience stores are one of the uh, attached to gas stations are probably the most, I don't know, highest sales of beverages across the country, I would wager. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that Coca-Cola was the first to go in there and put in vending machines for beverages and it changed the world. But that's sort of what we're talking about here is, and there's not much competition in tea in terms of, number of tea companies that I feel that could have an impact like you do but there are a few big ones controlled by a few big companies that obviously it's cool that there's someone coming around like you to do a quality product um, be an entrepreneur in this space and and go after some of the the shelf space that's out there for things like this yeah and those teas like we have the same flavor profiles but um, the ones that are in gas stations, which is primarily just Snapple in Arizona, um, you know, they have like four X the amount of sugar as us. And then if you want to go light on the sugar, then you have to go diet, which is all artificial, which also comes with its problems. So our whole shtick has just been organic cane sugar, just not a lot of it. So we're 90% water, 10% fruit juice, natural fruit juice, and, you know, not just fruit flavoring. And and this organic cane sugar which you know it's been made like the devil of the food of the food world and and nutrition but you know just three or four days ago i was watching the nightly news and erythritol is now getting a lot of slack from the fda that it's causing heart attacks and they missed that so you know i think the same thing is coming for stevia and monk fruit and all these magical sweeteners that aren't bad for you i don't think you know, I mean, I think if you taste it, you can taste it. And I, I, I still drink it. I'm not knocking it. But, you know, the FDA calling it organic and and natural. And it's just I think we're going to find out it's not. And that the FDA made a mistake. 
and with, it'll just help you know companies like ours that that are just sticking with you know organic cane sugar just not a lot yeah and i want to add drop a little history on this a little bit because the reason in the united states we don't use cane sugar is because corn syrup was introduced to the market which is a processed sugar basically artificial mm -hmm. in some ways uh in most ways and that being said everyone exchanged out corn syrup for sugar because they could make more profit particularly on things like cookies and beverages where sugar was required to sweeten them in the first place so it became you know pennies on a dollar became hundreds of millions to some of these companies so instead of sticking with something that's actually natural and sugar they switched over to save money so obviously it's an economic entrepreneurial play but the side effects where we're talking about which has generally been done in a lot of food um is that we're taking a shortcut financially ultimately for the long term more costly on society outcome because if we're eating crap it's just going to cause our societies more problems so mm -hmm. it's costing us more and ultimately it's costing the humans more that drink it that way so mm -hmm. while we may save money and the company may profit more ultimately you're responsible for 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 not such good outcomes i would say and okay. so I think that that's got to start weighing on the way people consume. That's one. Number two is cane sugar is a great alternative. It's used around the world. It's grown. It comes from the earth. It's what we've been using for thousands of years to sweeten things. So it's not not unheard of to try this and, and get a difference. And I think one of the other things is everything's in moderation and it's okay to have it. We're trying to replace it ultimately and go to zero. And I think that that's hard. And I think what you're doing is spot on. So yeah, I mean, because now obviously the consumer is way more um, health educated through social media and Instagram, and just everything's at your fingertips. You can look everything up. I mean, now with AI, you can really figure everything out on the drop of a dime. So what we're doing is making something healthier, but we're not using these quote unquote healthy natural sweeteners quote unquote natural um, to get us down to zero or five calories even though it looks nice on the nutritional panel because you know we don't necessarily trust the stevia and the monk fruit so I think this is a healthier option and it's something we can like it's something that's readily available here in the United States if we we can grow it here uh, especially in the south and throughout the Caribbean it grows so mm -hmm. I feel like it's a good natural thing and it does well for soil and stuff like that and you can cycle the plant just like anything else so i think i like this i like where this is going so where are you hoping this goes like we talked about distribution we've talked about like within your own stores like like how did beverages come up it's obviously bigger than bagels and pizza at this point because it's easier to move across the country mm -hmm. um so you have a business partner. Yeah. Is it the same business partner as any of your other businesses? Uh, it's not. No. So Bagel is a different partner. Pizza is a different partner. And um, Iced Tea is a different partner. And and yeah, we're, we're not like uh, subject to the four walls of like a brick and mortar. So there's definitely more uh, expansion possible. But with that comes also, it's the way I look at uh, like, let's say the bagel store versus the beverage it's like in terms of a stock it's like the iced tea is definitely more volatile stock and there's more room to like really explode but also more room to lose 
So it's, it's, it's a riskier play, big rewards, bigger losses, uh, whereas a, a brick and mortar is something a little more sturdy and uh, reliable in terms of just maintaining. But there's not that possibility of that huge, you know, that huge pot. Yeah, so help, let's talk about this a little bit. I, I want to get into two questions. One is, how did you choose a partner? Because you're a solo guy in the other two ventures, I believe. No, no, I have partners in the other two things. Okay, so this but is But they're just, different people. They're different people. Everyone's different. Cool, so how um, do you, oh, let's talk about that, because mm-hmm. this is a skill, right? Yeah. You're a leader, you have a different partner in each sort of business, and you're like managing all this. So how do you choose your partnerships? Well, I basically learned who I was compatible with by working with people that I wasn't. So these aren't the first partners I've picked. Um, Some previous partners to these worked, some didn't, but I definitely learned um, what my skill set was and then what I needed from a partner and what I didn't need. I didn't want any overlap. I've overlapped with a partner before where we had the same skills and same weaknesses and then there was no one to do the things we were weak at and then we were just both doing too much of what we were good at so so now i've learned to to balance and um bounce off my partners way better and what i need from them i think this is cool and i i want to touch upon this because i think you're finding the right people that align with your mission and we talked about that there were like a lot of growing occurrences before you've had the success you had at Greenberg and then into Valentine's and now into the beverage like it took a lot of like figuring things out mm-hmm. um, experiencing life for yourself as we do as entrepreneurs and then the hard knocks and then not giving up because I think yeah, you're a not giving up story I mean that's the only way because I mean you know we sit here in Valentine's this could open another one or it could close completely you know the, everything is always happening so there's changes is, 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 is a consistent and it's gonna keep happening and yeah the whole the whole thing with in the restaurant game and just entrepreneurship in general is just you just keep going keep opening more some stick some last some leave some fail some win and uh you gotta love it because you're gonna be working every day so let's talk about like well i love the shirt number one before i get on to the next question because it is a peach brooklyn best shirt from from the shirt. Uh, there you go <laughs> and you can order right off the shirt actually that's pretty cool i like the design and so i think uh, can people get those shirts online yeah we're putting them so they'll be on our website drinkbkbest.com where you can also just order a 12 pack of any of the flavors to your house um it also lets you know where we sell by where you live um very so, yeah, cool drinkbkbest.com and Let's talk about like you've you're obviously going from business to business now and you've learned a lot in your past. Let's talk about financial ingenuity that you've had to do to get from one location to another and now invest in an iced tea company. Like how do you how do you manage all that? Because a lot of people can't get past one store or don't understand the entrepreneurial part of reinvesting. So let's talk about your mindset sort of the financial goals and growing and, and what it means to you. Well, once you have good cash flow and, and something catches on, then you can use the banks, you know, in a very helpful way, which is also a risk. But, you know, it's sometimes easier than finding, um, you know, than finding another investor. And then the way we raise money for the iced tea is very different than, you know, a brick and mortar where we use the bank. You know, the iced tea is people we're, we're raising money we go into a series a a series b we're not there yet but 
right now we're at the friends and family stage and it's floating it until you get to a certain number in annual sales and then the VCs come in. The VCs write you a nice bigger check so you can grow faster and larger and then then you keep going basically until you hopefully get acquired. Yeah. That's, that's the goal, right? That's the goal. Um, most people don't make it there. I think it's like 1% do or some, I don't know, some something crazy. But most people don't. So uh, maybe I won't, maybe I will. We'll see. One, one of the things I think that you've already made it over is you have consumers that are already locked into your, your beverage. Mm-hmm. And I think that historically, if we look at beverage companies that have succeeded, Mm -hmm. if they lock themselves into a brick and mortar Mm -hmm. at the beginning or someone's business, they do well. If you look at beer, Schlitz, Paps, they Mm -hmm. they had Paps houses and Schlitz houses, I'm pretty sure. I know Schlitz houses for sure, but they anchored that to where people had to go to it. You're doing the same thing with your brand here in Brooklyn. So people are getting an acquired taste, which I think is going to be cool because people are going to go look oh my gosh i had this Mm -hmm. in greenberg bagels like oh my gosh how do i do this you know again you know i love the paps house thing and i think uh in terms of like a a consumer product it's a very smart thing to do is to take some of the invested money um as long as everyone's agreeing upon that and like open some brick and mortars that are not only marketing, but a place that puts your product first and on the best shelf at the best price, you know, in the front of the store. Um, and it's something we want to do at Brooklyn Best. We've always said is like open a boutique uh, grocery deli style thing called Brooklyn Best. And that could be cool because there, it's also way easier to be profitable with a store than the iced tea. So you have a couple profitable things that could help maintain the riskier, bigger thing. I agree with you. I think if you eventually, like you have your brick and mortars here that are selling it for you and you're building customer base, I think ultimately it spills into more. And I think there's probably even Brooklyn Best and partnering with alcohols that mix yeah. them up in mixology. and Yeah, like Twisted cool Tea, yeah. you know, is amazing. And with our flavors, like we always, you know, it's peach half and half, but we know what half and half is Palmer. Uh, we actually, uh, at the beginning phases, got a cease and assist from Arnold Palmer Enterprises. So we switched it. It was peach Palmer. It had such a nice ring to it. Yeah. But now it's peach half and half, and, and the cease and assist is framed, and it's on the wall. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Everyone gets those. I feel like it's a badge of honor in business. It is. You. Exactly. And, and if <laughs> anyone knows this, it's kind of funny mm-hmm. because Baby Ruth was never actually sponsored by Babe Ruth. He tried to have his own home run bar, and it it didn't work out so well so I, I it's funny you mentioned that because i've been loving babe ruth recently and his story and just yeah i've been like actually you can just watch it's unrelated to food but batting practice babe ruth batting practice with like mickey mantle and joe dimaggio yeah. and just like taking cuts it's pretty cool and i think you're <laughs> you have a baseball background obviously that's yep. where greenberg's came from in your family mm-hmm. and so that's pretty cool so I mean, let's talk about that a little bit. We opened up that door. It's a mm-hmm. huge inspiration to you. Is it part of what keeps you going every day is seeing like you could do something what they've done in baseball, you could do in food? Yeah, I mean, baseball was always my thing. Uh, and sometimes I still think like, damn, what if I had kept up with that instead of switching over? Um, but, you know, there's a lot of team sport aspect in the kitchen, especially when it's really busy or working together 
you have you play a different role and that role depends on the other role so you're really only as good as your kitchen staff and your team so there's definitely a lot of similarities in that sense and you're a wouldn't say you're against the customers but when it's really busy it sure feels that way and they're all glaring in and you're pushing the food out and you want and like the win is making the customer happy that's like yeah that's the winning the game so there's definitely a lot of similarities to sport and i think that that's why a lot of people that were athletic and played sports their whole lives are attracted to food yeah, and i want to talk about this also i think um I'm here in Valentine's Pizza, and that's where we're recording, and I have Julian right here with me. But as I came up here, I saw people walking down the street with Greenberg bagel bags. It is breakfast time-ish, and there's people always ordering. You gave me a tour, which was awesome. I love what you did with the space and opening it up to just full-on, basically, walk-up. And there's a line of tickets in the store. And, you know, whether it's delivery service or whatever, there's still people outside and the line of tickets that people want to deliver to them. So how have you built that trust with your consumers? We talked about the winning aspect just now with baseball. How do you win with your customers constantly and in, in your locations and even with the T mm-hmm. to get that line to do that? Because we're talking about one of the most competitive places on earth here in new york city in terms of food i mean it it takes time like you got to learn from your mistakes like what we were doing on day one compared to now in terms of quickness of orders and getting orders right and branded right and presented properly like there's definitely a big um difference in the customer experience today versus a year ago and versus two years ago so you're just constantly getting better and then when you open the next shop we have that much more experience so we start on day one further along better at what we do but there'll still be a lot of kinks that we have to get out in a new space with a new customer base and then so everything just keeps getting better because you just serve the same product over and over again same with the tea the same menu so you just keep dialing it in and getting better at that. And it just, it's just, it's time, you know, the 10,000 10, hour thing. Yeah. Just time. It's incredible. So as long as people stick with you through the beginning, through the rough patches and, you know, you get your, your, your one star reviews with the angry comments. And as long as you just laugh at that stuff, but also pay attention to some of the problems and fix the problems and understand the people that are writing them also have their own problems and should probably seek help sometimes. <laughs> um, I'm not a therapist, so. Yeah, um, But you, you, there are some things you see and you're like, okay, this is a reoccurring issue, like let's fix this. Like, okay, I don't like these people, I don't like how they put it, and that's saying it nicely. Uh, but I, I do want everyone moving forward to not have this issue, so. Yeah, and I think one of the things I've learned about that myself is that everyone's going to express it with anger because that's the way they feel, the only way they feel they can get heard for some reason, and especially in the modern world where everyone's sort of pushed off or brushed off. Mm -hmm. So as an entrepreneur, what I feel that you're doing well is answering it no matter what and listening to it and being able to turn off the loudness of it and hear the message and if it's true or not. Exactly, and that took some time. You know, At first I was like, all right. I've definitely gotten better with it. Um, my friends have a bar in Park Slope, and they basically, with their, their latest line of merch, they took all their worst reviews and printed them on the back of their T-shirts with, this, with the, the one star, and thought that was a funny way of doing it. 
Yeah, it's an interesting mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because you already have your loyal fans no matter what, but yeah. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, just personally, it's like if I go to a restaurant, I don't write reviews either way, but like if I'm like super happy with the place, I usually don't think about, you know, commenting. But when you're really angry is when you want to just comment yeah. or let someone know somehow. So you're really only getting, like social media is like, an accumulation of all the best moments of your life like your instagram you just post when you're at this nice hotel or in this nice car or at this nice dinner and then in you know in food service it's like you really and and like yelp you really only review when you're really angry and that's how it's set up um but you know it does keep it does keep you know restaurants on their toes which is good and it helps people find the right places but so what's your favorite thing, like out of all your businesses and being an entrepreneur, like what are the things that you're enjoying the most right now? Because you worked really hard mm-hmm. to get where you are right now. Um, I mean, it's funny because sometimes I go back and I'm like, damn, I wish I was still on the line. Like that was way simpler. And when I was on the line, I wanted to be off the line doing what I'm doing now. So everything is always greener. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm really happy right now. I have some some stuff moving and I have some really good people managing each of the businesses uh and i i have now like the mental space to like think of another creative concept which is where like once something's doing really well it's like okay it's good now it's like on to the next thing so that's where my head is at right now in the in the creating mode and i think it's one of the things that's really special about you is you don't get stuck on one thing and trying to perfect it you've like you've made your progress Mm -hmm. If there's reviews, you'll make more progress. But in the meantime, you need to move on to the next thing and start making progress because it doesn't just end once you're happy with one product. And everything, you know, could be great one day and something could happen the next day and it's gone. So you kind of have to like, you know, it's not insurance, but it's just like you got to spread yourself out. You can't rely too much on any one thing. So and I agree 100%. <laughs> like it's uh you got to be diversified in today's Completely. world especially in food. It's not a world where you can one trick pony your way through or as we've seen no restaurant or business has survived or entrepreneur off of just doing one thing. Even Coca-Cola had to add variants eventually. Mm-hmm. And so what are your how your family how the the growth like talk about this how are you balancing all this with your time? You have a young son. Mhm. You have, you know, you have two businesses that are brick and mortar. You mm-hmm. have a third business, which is a distribution company, which I believe has trucks, I'm guessing. Yeah. And then you have the Brooklyn's Best, which is the tea. Like, how are you managing, balancing that and your family with all Well, of you have a good team. So at first, you know, it's really overwhelming. And then as you go, you put peop- the right people in the right positions. And you're like, oh, wait, you know, this is working. Like. I have so much stuff going on, but sometimes I actually have a lot of free time. And uh, it also, you know, having so much going on creates a structure and the structure creates free time. So the more free time I had, the less the less I was available. And now that I'm busier, I have these, you know, time slots that it's like I have, you know, designated to you know, family and the things I want. And it's great. Like this morning, I'm in the gym at 6 a.m. I'm here at 7. It's like there's a structure. Cool. So, Julian, thank you so much for your time and and taking the time and 
showing me around and I'm definitely gonna have to try some of these teas and probably the lemonade before I get out of here mm-hmm. or I'll take some with me oh, yeah, these are for you that appreciate way. it yeah. and anyone where can they find you online mm-hmm. for all your companies and your Instagrams mm-hmm. and your addresses here uh, where we are right now because I think what you're doing here is really special and people to see uh, like Heinz did something similar and he had different things but he branched out and he, while he had different recipes he had different things going and it's just what you're doing here in food it took you a while and even he had a, some failures along the way and your story is very similar so I just want to say thank you and um, give you the time to let everyone know how to find you amazing well thank you and thanks for coming um, anytime you're in Bed-Stuy we're on Bedford Avenue 1063 and 1065 Bedford Avenue pizza and bagels um iced tea obviously is drinkbkbest.com that's shipped nationwide so wherever you're at if you want to try a taste of brooklyn it's right there and there's not a lot of sugar so you could crush a couple cans and be okay and feel okay about yourself um and then yeah my instagram is just julian cavin j-u-l-i-a-n-c-a-v-i-n uh, Greenberg's Bagels and Valentine's Pizza. They're spelt exactly how they are in the storefront. Uh, yeah, and come see us, have some food. And if you're an entrepreneur, keep going, keep pushing. And uh, good luck to everybody. Thank you, Julian. I appreciate everyone for listening in. I love you guys. Uh, share the podcast, keep listening in, giving good reviews, commenting. It helps the episodes get out there. It helps the entrepreneurs get message, get out there to help other entrepreneurs. So. Thank you, everyone, for listening in again. You can find us on Instagram at Just the Food Entrepreneurs. You can find me at Justin Bizarro, B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. And you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts if you want to listen to us. Thank you, and we're out.